You may not know this yet, but Christina Lawson and Jennifer Martinez are the future of law. Not in a way that introduces some new legal theory or innovation in code, but in a way a law firm is run. Christina Lawson recently became the managing partner of San Francisco-based Hanson Bridget, and one of her initiatives was to task Jennifer Martinez with running the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at the firm. And not just as a secondary role, but as a full-time employee focused on these issues. Hanson Bridget is trailblazing a path for others to follow, and its work is already receiving recognition throughout the industry. How they got there and what they plan to do at the firm is the subject of our conversation. Welcome to the pod, Christina and Jennifer. Christina, Jennifer, good morning or good afternoon. How are you guys? Good afternoon, Vlad. Great. It's nice to be with you. Excellent. Where do we find you today? Well, you find me in Walnut Creek, California in my uh, virtual home office. And I'm in Oakland, California at my dining room. Perfect. Perfect. I think that's sort of how we've been working for the last uh, year uh, plus, essentially. So by way of introduction, uh, would you guys mind giving us a little bit of an overview of your you know, background, sort of you know, how you got to Handsome Bridget, how you got into law, right? And a little bit about the firm also, uh, just so our listeners know a little bit more from your side of things. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm happy to start, Jennifer. My name's Christina Lawson. I'm the current managing partner of Hanson Bridget, which is, you know, approximately 190 attorney law firm with offices throughout California. And professionally, uh, for the past almost 20 years, I've been a land use and environmental attorney specializing in California real estate uh, development entitlements, the California Environmental um, Quality Act. So that's how I found my my way to Hanson Bridget was as a practicing California land use lawyer. Uh, I joined Hanson Bridget uh, approximately four and a half years ago um, at this point. And frankly, there's a good story there about the registry yeah. playing a part in my introduction to Andrew Giacomini, who preceded me as the managing partner and who I had the good fortune of being introduced to at uh, the Elevate Awards event in 2016 that the registry was hosting together with the uh, local Bay Area commercial real estate women chapters. So that's a, a fun registry connection. But I found myself, my found my way to Hanson Bridget, not just because they were looking for, you know, a land use attorney um, that had experience in, you know, California development entitlement work, but also because of the firm's commitment to women in the profession. So I was struck at the time that following up on the conversation I had with Andrew at the Registries Elevate event, I went and did my own research uh, about Hanson Bridget and found that Hanson Bridget had an excess of 40% female equity partners, which is a figure that really is just unheard of in the profession. Uh, In the legal profession, that number hovers somewhere between 10 and 15% really as a kind of a high-end benchmark. So I I wanted to move to a firm that was supportive of women in particular, of course, a firm that was going to support my real estate and land use career. So it was was both of those issues that brought me to Hanson Bridget. Great. And Jennifer, how about you? Yeah, I'm uh, Jennifer Martinez, the firm's current chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer and a partner in our labor section. Um, I had a sort of prodigal daughter uh, path to Hanson Bridget. I uh, summered at another big law firm when I was a 1L in law school, and I was a summer associate at Hanson Bridget as a 2L. Um, And post-law school, I went to that uh, other law firm that 
shall not be named. <laughs> okay. And uh, I knew when I wanted to lateral to leave big law, I, I didn't look anywhere else. I knew I wanted to come to Hanson Bridget. I'd stayed in contact with some folks from the summer program. And uh, luckily they had a spot for me. Great. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about the firm. When was it started? Uh, Beria, obviously, is its kind of main office, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about sort of what are the areas of expertise in which the uh, firm um, works in? Of course. Um, so the firm is, like I mentioned, about 190 attorneys now with offices in five locations throughout California. We were founded just over 60 years ago uh, in San Francisco. So we, over the years, have been thought of as uh, perhaps a Northern California firm, but really we have offices throughout California uh, in the Sacramento market and in Los Angeles, where we uh, continue to expand and just uh, this week announced uh, a new partner joining us. Okay. Um, so we're excited about that Southern California expansion. Um, the firm is a full service law firm for California. So we have a myriad of transactional litigation practices um, across seven sections. So from real estate to healthcare, to litigation, uh, to construction, to, to labor and employment, uh, like Jennifer practices and really everything in between. Um, the firm's client base, um, we represent, you know, multinational Fortune 500 companies. We also represent individuals. Um, and so we've got, a, you know, we have a great reputation in California in particular, both in the legal community and then in the communities that we live and work in uh, as well. Yeah. You know, really kind of um, generated, uh, you know, our conversation here, maybe kicked off our conversation here is a couple of things. And, and you guys both mentioned this in your introductions. But uh, first, Christina, you said you're the you're the first managing partner of the firm. That's that's a female. Um and then Jennifer, you're you're the firm's first um, inclusion and equity officer. I, I want to stay with with those two themes just for a second here because I think that's um, obviously very significant. So for you, Christina, you know, tell us a little bit about and 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 I and I know we've talked about this, but I think just to kind of underscore this for the for the audience, you know, how significant it is to have a female, you know, managing partner. This is not typical in in the law law firm world. Is that accurate? So that is accurate. And Vlad, I hope we get to a point uh, at some point in time where it's not a remarkable yeah, achievement right. and it's just the norm and we don't talk about people being the first female managing uh, partner or the first female CEO. Uh, and it, it is noteworthy for Hanson Bridget, right? The firm had been led for 60 years uh, by men. Um, so it really it's noteworthy and it's and it's worth celebrating um, for a variety of reasons, including that it just demonstrates the possibility and opportunity to avail uh, available to other young women lawyers um, and frankly to our staff members um, across the firm as well. I mean, there's there's no doubt that I was drawn to Hanson Bridget in part because it was clear to me that there were available leadership opportunities, not just partnership opportunities, but opportunities to be a leader at Hanson Bridget, regardless of who you are. And that's real. And so, you know, again, I, I think that we have a lot more work to do in that regard. We've done, you know, a, a tremendous amount of work uh, with respect to women lawyers in particular, um, but with respect to women of color, 
LGBTQ plus women, you know, men and women. I, I do think we've got a lot more work to do kind of across the spectrum. So Jennifer, maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. I came to Hanson for many of those same reasons, right? I, I certainly was at a point where I'd kind of burned out on the hours uh, expectations, but I could have looked elsewhere. And one of the reasons I came to the firm was that I knew that the path to partnership was transparent, was something that was within my control. Um, and that was really important to me, knowing how few female partners there are in law firms, especially equity partners, and especially how few Latina partners there are in private practice. And so I never had any doubt when I lateraled that Hanson was a place that if I wanted it, I could make it happen. And that's certainly been the case for since I've been here, uh, since 2013 when I lateraled. Um, I also think it's, you know, it hasn't always been intentional, but it has always been a place where we tolerate the whole human being, right? Uh, and I think there's a really deep ethos in the firm that you can be whoever you want to be as a lawyer and outside of the law firm. And really, we're, we don't think that has any effect on how good of a lawyer you are. Good lawyers come in all different forms. Um, and there's a place for all of them to succeed here. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, understandable. And, and that was going to be my follow-up question. You know, Christina, since your ascension, you know, how have you seen people in the industry, you know, respond to that? Have you seen more interest in the firm? Have you seen other firms trying to emulate or, you know, call you and ask you, you know, how do you guys do this? You know, how can we be like you? Um, any anecdotal kind of stories that you can share about that? Sure. So there definitely is an interest, I mean, really nationally, you know, others in the legal industry and frankly across, you know, non the non-legal industries um, as well in how it was that we've been successful and sort of needle moving in the past. Again, with the sort of long time coming emphasis over the past year on diversity, equity, and inclusion um, issues is that's really risen to top of mind, especially for leaders of organizations. So I do spend, and I know Jennifer spends a, a significant amount of time talking to other industry leaders about the types of things that really Hanson Bridget was doing perhaps uh, not with a lot of intentionality perhaps just because you know it's it's a group of of like-minded people who really fun you know believed in these types of issues and and giving people opportunity you know very authentically but not necessarily uh with the intentionality now that we see uh law firms and others placing on these efforts so we we do do a lot of that conversation. I know Jennifer, and she can talk to this, spends time, you know, doing presentations to, you know, legal industry groups, um, to groups of managing partners about the efforts uh, we're now making with some real intentionality. But, you know, I, I guess to, you know, one of the points Jennifer made a moment ago as well, there's something about the diversity of California that, of course, you know, or was organically created as as California as this geographic place came about. And we think it's really important. You know, if we're going to hold ourselves up as being a California law firm with a really unique knowledge about California, sure. we think it's really important that we, you know, look like our communities and that we also operate with that very high level of tolerance for others and also belief in the opportunity, making opportunity and possibility available um, to others. So I think that comes through when we have those conversations across the industry. 
Yeah, and what's also interesting about that is that you know which which you just mentioned, Christina. But for you, it's been kind of an arc, right? And what what you didn't say in your introduction is that you were the the you know mayor of Walnut Creek, you know, prior to joining Han- Hanson Bridget. And, you know, you have in the Bay Area now two very prominent, you know, female mayors in Oakland and, you know, San Francisco. And I think with your um, evolution of your firm and bringing Jennifer on board to serve as sort of the equity and inclusion, you know, lead, this has been kind of an evolution that you guys have been not just following, but actually creating, right? And Jennifer, tell us a little bit about how for you this has been a you know meaningful thing because you didn't just come into the firm and then Christina asked you to do this right you were very active in this space right yeah and and I don't necessarily think my work is unique in that respect you know I think a lot of diverse attorneys do this type of equity and inclusion work on their own uh, and you'll hear me anytime I talk give an interview talk about that differential burden right any diverse attorney and women attorneys and LGBTQ attorneys has a choice to make when you when you're faced with the, the lack of diversity or inclusion in private practice. And that's I'm already working twice as hard as my peers to feel like I'm I'm treated equally. Do I want to spend the little extra free time that I have working non-billable towards these efforts? And I think a lot of women, a lot of diverse attorneys and a lot of LGBTQ attorneys say yes. Um, and they end up working this, I, I I'm calling it a second shift, borrowing from uh, another area of research, but they end up working this second shift. And so I think most of us do it unthinkingly because the issue is that important. And, you know, Hanson has always been one of those places, even before last summer, that really focused on this issue, that it was important to us as a California, California firm, like Christina said, that we reflect the communities uh, that we're in. And so uh, last summer, uh, we had, after the uh, murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, and Brianna Taylor, yeah. we had a talk um, as kind of a coming together as a firm. And, and I will admit to being a skeptic uh, when we first scheduled it. Uh, it was my employment lawyer, radar going off, uh, could not go well. And I, of all people, was blown away. I mean, the, the things that people shared, the way that our firm showed up for each other and for the community was amazing. Um, and, and I certainly wasn't quiet at that meeting and, and I'm not usually quiet uh, uh, on these matters. And so we formed this task force because there was so many people that wanted to do something, uh, that wanted to take action. And that wasn't surprising from our firm that people rose to that, to that challenge. And uh, my position that I'm in now was a result of that task force saying, hey, we need someone to do these things. If our firm is serious about making change in this area, both internally and externally, we need to show it by having a position that does this work so that there aren't so many uh, disadvantaged folks uh, taking on this role in a non-billable capacity. And Jennifer, this is not a role just on paper, right? I mean, I think that's important to also mention because as you stated, a lot of people do this kind of work, but it's sort of a secondary, you know, job, if you will, to their, you know, primary sort of economic earning activities, if you will, right? That's right. So so tell us a little bit about that. So this is this is a full-time role. Um, uh, we joked about this the other day, but you've been either asked to hand over your clients or they're moving on or something, right? 
no, no. I if I really said I wanted to still litigate, I think Christina would find me. <laughs> yeah, they'd be very happy. Make it happen, but <laughs> exactly, <laughs> there's so much to do, you know. And and the things that I want to to take on, the list just keeps growing. Sure. Not in an overwhelming way, but in a very exciting way for me. And I, I don't think that's un, that's compatible with a, a litigation practice, unfortunately. Now, I do think it means something, even for this role for me to be able to still say that I'm a practicing partner at something like only 1.5 to 2% of private practice partners, excuse me, nationwide or Latina. So I do think it means something that I still do a little bit of work. So I'll keep some of my counsel work. Um, But the big litigation matters. Yes, I unfortunately have to pass those off. Yeah. How big is your team? And uh, if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to specifically maybe give us a budget, but you can tell us I have a budget, right? And maybe talk a little bit about some of those initiatives that you have on your plate for the next, you know, couple of years or whatever the time frame is. Yeah. So I'm going to have one administrative support staff person, and then I'm still working with my um, normal legal assistant who is amazing. And I, I guess I want to add an aspect there. We're not leaving the staff behind in any of these efforts. And I think they're really essential to our success, including my own, uh, my legal assistant, especially shout out to Joanne, if she's going to listen to this, uh, really is is crucial to my work. But um, Christina's given me a pretty broad mandate. And like I said, I'm excited about that. Um, so our initiatives aren't just focused internally, although, of course, there are a lot of internal things we want to tackle. But um, I see this role as having an external component as well. As Christina mentioned, we're making a lot of changes that I think are really good, not just for our firm, but for the profession generally. And we shouldn't be quiet about that. You know, we, we don't think that the secret sauce needs to be secret. There's no reason why uh, our peers can't replicate this work. And a lot of them are already uh, doing similar work, too. But if we can spread a model of success, then I'm all for creating more happy lawyers in the profession as well, um, including more diverse, uh, happy lawyers. Yeah. So I think there's an external component um, that includes, too, not just the profession itself, but really investing the firm's own brain power and privilege towards racial justice and equality, both in the communities that we work and kind of the larger nation as a whole. Um, a lot of our internal initiatives are kind of what you'd expect, looking at mentoring, looking at uh, firm policies that might allow for unconscious bias creep and making sure that we don't let that in, beefing up training and cultural education, um, creating learning opportunities for our attorneys, creating volunteer opportunities, both for our attorneys and our staff. Um, and then I think partnering with our clients too, to do some work uh, in the private sector uh, as well. We're in Silicon Valley, for example, well, one of our offices, and there's a, a pretty well-known lack of diversity problem in Silicon Valley too. So another example is focusing there, right? Again, we, we want to reflect communities that we practice in. The Bay Area is certainly one of them and near and dear to my heart as a native. And so I'm excited that uh, our efforts aren't really... Christina hasn't given me a ceiling. Let me just say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me what you want to do yeah. and let's figure out how to make it happen. Is there an opportunity also for you guys to work with, you know, academic institutions and, you know, law schools to not just bring awareness to this, but to sort of set a template? I would imagine, especially in California, some of the academic institutions are probably a little bit more progressive in this in this area. Do you feel like that could be a good avenue for you to partner with as well? Oh, for sure. Uh, and we have pretty solid relationships with the law schools in the Bay Area. We've done our 
uh, 1L interview workshop for diverse students for probably more than a decade now. I attended that workshop as a little baby, first-year law student, but you've hit on something that I've kind of been marinating along along these lines, and I think it's going to take some more work and some really intentional efforts, but I'd love to figure out if there's a way for law schools to be kind of the accountability body uh, for a lot of law firms in this area. You know, when I was a law student and I was graduating, we had the same exact discussion about diversity and inclusion issues um, in private practice. And some some things have changed, but not a lot, not as much as you'd expect uh, in the, let's just say, decades since I graduated. Um, and so, I don't, you know, I'd love to, to take advantage of those strong relationships that we have with schools and develop a way for them to hold us accountable, because I think that that goes a really long way. And to be frank, a lot of those, the youth, this next generation are the ones that really get these issues on an intuitive level and are the ones pushing us to make lasting change in this area. Yeah. Christina, for you as a leader of the firm, you mentioned one of the ways that you got a chance to meet Hanson initially was through an award that you received. You know, so, you know, we as, as an industry publication recognized you for, you know, your work, but Hanson Bridget was was also, you know, recognized in the most recent Elevate sort of awards that that we just completed. The firm was actually recognized also. So that shows that in the industry, your efforts are, you know, being being, uh, being seen and being, you know, noticed. Tell us a little bit about that, and you know how how what does that what does that set up for you for the future? And as a leader of the firm, how do you look to leverage that um, into the next steps? Sure. So, you know, as you mentioned, the feedback that we received from the Elevate Award that Hanson Bridget just received, and and some of the other industry awards, if you will, um, is always positive, um, and we're grateful for those recognitions and for the appreciation that, you know, across industries is being shown uh, to our efforts. But I will say we, we don't think our work or, or, or we don't take those awards as a, some sort of signal that our work in this space is done, oh, um, sure. that there isn't yeah. much more to do. And frankly, I think that it um, it gives us a unique platform to really advance and further the conversation so that issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion aren't the conversations that happen, you know, once every 10 years when someone reads a report or, you know, when um, there's an issue du jour um, that rises to the leader's attention. It really, you know, I think what we are looking to do in the industry is to be a market leader, uh, to demonstrate that uh, you can create a diverse law firm, you can focus on these issues and also be a very successful law firm at the same time, right? Um, and there, there's an important correlation there because there is long, long-standing industry re- research, right? That diverse teams are better for business overall. We think they're better for our people, no doubt, right? Uh, we think they're better for California. We think they're better for our clients. We also think they're good for our business as a whole. And that Going forward, um, it's going to be a business imperative, uh, right, that you to build diverse um, and inclusive teams. So, again, while you know, the focus, um, I, I think what those awards and recognitions do is help us build this platform, this foundation for leading and advancing the conversation. And to go back to one of Jennifer's points she made, we do as a firm want to be a leader in this space. Yep. I, I don't want our potential to be limited 
Um, I, I do want Jennifer and others in the firm comfortable, you know, talking at industry events um, and working for pro bono clients and doing um, this hard work every day. And I want them to know that it's part of our culture as a company uh, and, and something we really believe in them doing because we do uh, as a firm think this work is just incredibly important. Yep. Yep. So one of the things that that I'm always that I'm always curious about is when we you know look at the last 12 months um you know, many folks have identified not just what happened in our country socially over the last, you know, 12, 24 months or so, but, you know, COVID also, I think overall globally has been a great accelerant of uh, some of our, you know, trends. And I'm curious to sort of understand from you guys, you know, how has this helped you sort of coalesce some of these, these you know, you know, trends that maybe initially started with, uh, with, you know, Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement and, and sort of, you know, diversity overall into this initiative. And then is, is this something that you're noticing now the younger generation pay a lot of attention to also? So when you're interviewing, you know, you know, first year, second year law school, law school students who are coming there for internships or you're going to hire, you know, full time, is this on the forefront of what they want to talk about also. Yeah. And actually, one of the reasons why I think that law schools should be who's holding us accountable, because each generation of law students that comes to our doors to interview gets less and less shy about asking kind of pointed questions. What are you doing in this area? What changes have you made? Can you explain uh, you know, your, your diversity numbers? Can you talk to us about what it's actually like? Uh, to be one of few diverse attorneys at, at a private firm. And I think the more that they're asking us those questions, the more we feel compelled to do work that allows us to give an honest response in the moment. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the last year has shown a lot of people that they need to feel fulfilled in their work. They need to feel like they're working at a place that does good in the world in addition to just makes money. Um, and a lot of people have examined their own careers and said, am I working somewhere or am I doing something um, that meets that part, that need that I have now? Um, and I certainly am, am no different, right? I changed roles in, in the past year. And some of that definitely was driven by, look at everything that's going on. Look at this window, this amazing opportunity I have with this firm that I already love that's going to put some meat behind these initiatives, why not grab that? And, you know, I, I think that this younger generation, especially is going to demand that going forward. What, what is this firm doing uh, as a conscious corporate citizen? What are the individuals in the firm doing uh, to, to serve these larger societal goals? And no one's allowed to kind of silo themselves and say, uh, this doesn't affect me any longer. Have some of these recognitions and the kind of anecdotal evidence that you've received around, you know, the you know positive feedback around these initiatives given you a sense that you can go even higher, faster, you know, broader? Certainly the first and the last. I don't know if <laughs> we're still a, a law firm full of lawyers. So <laughs> and sometimes things take time. Right. But absolutely, I think, you know, like I said, it's it, we've always been a firm that's done this work, that's, that's advocated for these things. And so there haven't been a lot of naysayers or detractors since last summer. 
Um, and, and maybe the ones that do exist are a little more quiet about it. But I'd like to think that the positive feedback that we get, that external recognition, that's who helps win, win. That's who we target winning over, right? Is those people that are hesitant. Should we be spending this much money? Should we be staking out these public positions as a firm in favor um, of certain uh, movements or whatever? And that's, I think, who those awards speak to. Um, not, not like I said, that we had a bunch of detractors, but uh, the ones that, that were lingering, maybe they see that this is valuable, that this is important, that the rest of the world, the rest of the community, certainly the rest of the legal community and law schools are paying attention. Yeah. Christina, how about for you as a, as a leader of the firm, does this give you kind of an impetus to even broaden this further? I think so. And, you know, as, as the managing partner, I have the great fortune to be able to participate in, you know, managing partner groups that, you know, uh, have participants from across the country, some of the legal networks that we're a part of. And, you know, Je- Jennifer said it perhaps more delicately, but the law, you know, the legal industry and private law firms are not known for their innovation <laughs> and they're not known for being first movers. Uh, and, and we're not known for being a diverse, inclusive space, especially for young attorneys, right? Uh, it's a cutthroat profession, uh, especially in private practice. Uh, and so for ambitious, diverse lawyers, it's been a really difficult place. So if we can participate in conversations across the country and we can tell our peers and prove to our peers that this works, that it's good for them, that we've been successful in um, these efforts. Now, it takes a lot of time. We wouldn't be here had the leadership of the firm for the past 20 years not focused, again, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, but you know, authentically at their core focused on advancing these issues. We wouldn't be in this place because it takes a long time to move the needle. And we're not as far along as even we would like to be. But I do think that we have a real opportunity as a firm to have an impact across the industry. We're participating in as many conversations uh, as we can participate in. And it's interesting when we go, we when we engage in some of those conversations, right? Some of the things that our peers are talking about are things we were doing five or 10 years ago yeah. or even more. So sometimes we find ourselves saying, you all need to catch up with us, right? You, you, you've got a lot more work to do. And sometimes we don't find those conversations perhaps as educational as we'd uh, like them to be for ourselves because we're out there as well trying to find what the best practices are. What can we implement at our firm that's different and innovative and interesting and is going to make a difference in this regard? Yeah. What are some of the biggest challenges that you guys are facing in, in, in this initiative and just with you know diversity overall? For me, it's a problem of wanting to do too much right away. Like I said, I think the the firm and and certainly everyone that's worked on our task force in the past year, all of the support staff is just so eager and enthusiastic about these initiatives and, uh, you know, harnessing that energy um, is is definitely a task, right? Uh, and, And figuring out where to prioritize when all of these things seem so important and so crucial that we do right now. For me, that's that's been the biggest obstacle so far. Yeah, and I would add, I mean, it's that prioritization that's difficult, right? Um, and 
Of course, our firm has a robust pro bono program, uh, right? That while while there's been some refocus, uh, racial justice and social equity issues, of course, it's it's far more expansive than that. Uh, but it's this prioritization: how do we decide what to do first? Where should we spend our money? How should we deploy Jennifer across the country to have these conversations uh, with you know industry groups and and that sort of thing? So. You know, the sky really is the limit with a program like this, but it's about finding, frankly, the time too, uh, right, to devote to these resources. And uh, time is is not an infinite resource, unfortunately. About a decade or so ago, the UGBC um, lead certification was kind of like this, you know, program that really helped push into the forefront standards around environmental and and sustainable design. And it really kind of helped, you know, us, you know, think about that. Is there something analog to lead that perhaps in um, equity and inclusion could do the same thing? Sure. So, I mean, in addition to the types of awards that the registry through its Elevate program has sponsored, uh, there is an industry certification um, called the Mansfield certification. And Hanson Bridget is participating in that process of becoming a Mansfield certified firm uh, for the first time uh, this this year, this Mansfield cycle. And so there are those types of programs that are moving the needle and, and frankly, building that like the lead certification, if your building isn't lead certified, some people won't even, right. you know, look at look you at to it, lease, right. lease space. Um, and, it, and it really has become a benchmark or something that's very important across the industry. And sometimes the people don't even know what lead certification means, but they know to look at it as something that's really, uh, you know, a, a, an important standard. And so there is that standard. And I think it's becoming more and more common for, for law firms to be asked whether they're Mansfield certified firms and for that to be something that especially the sophisticated corporate clients, you know, almost as a matter of course, are going to be requiring right. from us going forward. Yeah. And I think it goes back to something Christina said earlier. You know, we see that Mansfield certification as sort of the, the floor, right? And not not the the ceiling target. My hope is that that Mansfield certification will just become the bare minimum, right? That uh, all firms, uh, if they want to really do business with any marquee clients, are going to have to have that certification. And then uh, if that's the new floor, you know, I think that makes uh, a lot more room for possibilities doing more than that. Yeah. Given everything that's happened over the last year or so, given the ambitious goals that you guys have set for yourselves also, I'd, I'd love to kind of, you know, close this interview by asking you both, you know, what what gives you guys hope? One of the things that gives me great hope are the conversations I have with all of our new attorneys. So I meet with every new attorney that joins the firm, from summer associates to you know brand new equity partners. Um, I spend some time with all of them uh, on a one-on-one basis. And what gives me hope is those conversations, the idea that our human-centered, people-first approach is paying off, um, that it's being recognized by those who want to join us. I mean, there, there's no doubt that the world is forever changed, right? Uh, both as a result of the murder of George, George Floyd and others, um, and because we've all just had this collective experience uh, having gone, gone through a global pandemic together, something that none of us ever envisioned. And we've been doing this all at the same time. So I think, you know, 
Hanson Bridget has been adaptable. We have thrived in a really difficult set of circumstances. And I think we've found our purpose as well. Um, so I think th- those are the things that give me hope. Our, our people and this collective sense of community and purpose um, that I think we have going forward, maybe in a little bit different way than we did at this time last year. I think that's exactly right. That collective sense of purpose and community especially is definitely what keeps me going and what gives me hope. And also the ways that that you discover that sense of community being stronger than you realized. Um, We had a summer associate last year, uh, Maribel Lopez, who um, I, I met with throughout the summer, met with in her interview process. Um, she'd come to one of uh, our events for uh, Latinx law students when she was a law student. And after her leaving the summer program, she posted this amazing message on LinkedIn about her personal path to law school, which, you know, she kept quiet about with, with even me, uh, just despite how close we got. And expressing her appreciation for landing in a place like our firm as a summer intern and being able to have the opportunity to work with us post-graduation. And, you know, you never, to, to hear something that heartfelt uh, and, and to hear the, the struggle that someone went through to get where they are and to know that we're providing them a launch pad for success is just Ah, tugs, tugs you right yeah. in the heartstrings. Yeah. Well, that, that's definitely what keeps me going, yeah. too. Well, that's that's excellent. Um, Christina and Jennifer, thank you guys for taking the time to speak with us. And also, I want to say, you know, congratulations, not just on, you know, these recognitions, but also on um, being brave enough to set a new path uh, for, the, for the law industry, not just in the Bay Area and throughout you know, the West Coast, but also nationally and maybe even globally. So best of luck to you guys. And I look forward to hearing more about it in the, in, in the years to come. Well, Vlad, thank you for the conversation. We appreciated the opportunity to be a part of it. Thanks, Vlad. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.